Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Give Me Back My Action Movies, the podcast. I am uh, one of your hosts, Dan, and there's your other host, Charlie. Charlie, say hello to everybody. Hello everybody. There you go. Alright folks, this episode is of course Lethal Weapon. You helped vote for it, you helped choose this episode, and this is the one that we're going to be doing today for you guys. Charlie, are you excited about Lethal Weapon? I am excited about Lethal Weapon, but I'm also excited about that this is episode 10. That, that's true. That's that's kind of why we let people choose. We wanted to do something a little special for today's episode, the 10th episode. And, and we, uh, we couldn't decide. It was <laughs> literally a toss-up between the three polls, and it was like, let the people choose. That Yeah, it really was. So, everyone, uh, if, this is a, if this is not what you wanted to hear, it's your fault. Blame right. yourselves. Should have voted tired. for uh, the one you wanted. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing your nonsense. Um, two things on this episode. One, I'm sick. I'm I'm pretty much dying today. So uh, I'm going to try to tough it out best I can. But this is going to be a pretty Charlie heavy episode. So A, you're welcome. Or B, you're sorry, depending on how you want to look at it. Or you just call me fat. Uh, we'll just see which way it goes. Call you fat? I just said it. Charlie you heavy. Second, Charlie, in honor of the star of Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson, who has had his uh, issues off uh, off screen in the past 10 years or so. Yeah. But anyway, what are the Burger King restaurants called in Australia? I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. (laughs) They're called Hungry Jacks. Hungry Jacks. Yeah, a franchisee from from Canada went uh, to Australia in 1971, found out there was already a Burger King, and his name is Jack, so he made him called, he called him Hungry Jacks. So there's a Burger King, but it's not the Burger King we know here in the States. Correct, correct. So uh, it is and it isn't. So some of the new items on the Hungry Jacks menu right now is the Rebel Whopper, the okay. uh, Whiskey River Whopper. That one sounds interesting. I know. Uh, hash browns. Those are new I for gotta me. have hash browns. The frozen Fanta sour watermelon that you can add little bursties, it says, that like pop in your mouth, kind of like uh, bubble tea type of things. I don't know uh, what bubble tea is, but you had me at, you know, watermelon slushy because right. I love that And then they make a, fr- a frozen Fanta sour watermelon spider is what they call it. Uh, I've seen the spiders in Australia, sir. I am not interested in that. I know they even have to name stuff that you eat that'll kill you. Uh, basically, it's just a frozen with some whipped cream on it, looks like. And then, of course, the newest thing is called the Yumbo. Yumbo. It's a, uh, it's a ham and cheese sandwich. That sounds familiar. I think I've heard reference of a Yumbo before from something I've watched. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, you probably is. have. So over there, if you look at their menu, they've got uh, what's new? Whoppers, beef burgers, grill masters. I don't know what those are. Chicken burgers, they call them. Wraps and vegan. Sides and snacks, breakfast, uh, frozen drinks, desserts, cold drinks, hot drinks, all kinds of stuff over there. I'm glad Uh, we ate before we recorded this because everything you're saying would make me hungry normally. I know. You didn't know this was coming, did you? I had no clue. This awesome way to start the 10th episode. Let's talk about yumbos. Uh, let's see what else that's. Oh, oh, here's the, uh, here's their, their grill master selection. They have a grill masters pulled beef and Angus. So it's like pulled pork on top of a, a sandwich. Uh, they got ones, a smoky barbecue Angus. Um, and they got ones, with, and they, it looks like they all have, some of these have uh, fried onions on there. 
I feel like it's a major miss in marketing to not have at least one or two burgers called like the humongous, you know, the, the (laughs) Mad Max. I mean, you are in Australia, so let's see what's under the, um, let's see what's under the, uh, beef burgers. You've got the, uh, the big Jack, the mega Jack, which they, they're, they're big Macs, dude. I'm looking at it right now. Um, the Baconator Deluxe. The uh, let's see, the rest of these look pretty normal. That sounded like cheeseburger. Looks like it's got three different types of cheeses on there. It's pretty ridiculous. I mean that that was literally Burger King, McDonald's, and Wendy's all in one menu. They have one dude. It's a cheeseburger with a hash brown on it. I've done that myself. You can't order it, but you can order them separately. Looks pretty awesome. Actually, what is McDonald's? What do they refer? I mean, it's called McDonald's, but what do they? What's the nickname they refer to McDonald's? as in australia the good day mate i don't know maccas they call it maccas maccas okay yeah i i watch australian rules football what do you want from me uh and sometimes they have advertisements for maccas go to the maccas get yourself a sandwich i watch these videos that my kids are addicted to it's called how ridiculous and these guys just do these wild they they like, hit a golf ball through panes of glass and yeah, the big rubber band ball. I've seen some of them. And they ju- they drop things off the tower. They're in Australia, and I swear every episode I catch, they can do nothing but talk about KFC. Because every yeah. time they want to go and get food, it's KFC. So that's what I knew there was KFC in Australia. Yeah, KFC's a big one. Yeah, but uh, this is our tenth movie podcast episode. Yeah, I know. So. I wanted I want to do one about fast food from around the world. We should do one of those too. You know what? We'll put that on a Patreon at some point, and that way people can pay yeah. to listen to it. That'd be kind of fun. All right, so this episode, of course, Lethal Weapon, the 1987 action classic um, starring, of course, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover as the main two um, heroes of yep. the film. And, uh, of course, our third in a row Gary Busey film. I love it, man. And you know what? This is not our fault. This was voted. You know, they could have picked one that didn't have Busey, but Welcome we just... to another episode of the Gary Busey Hour here. It's, it's the Gary Busey hat trick. It is. And uh, this is the first film with an official credited Ali Ong in it. Credited, named character, and lines. Yes. Ali so, Ong. Yeah, and that, of course, was Indo. Uh, which most people know him from. Uh, I would say if, if if you know him by character, like if you know his 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 three big character roles, yeah, this, uh, Die Hard, yeah, with the Crunch and, Bar, and Big Trouble in Little China. That's those are the main three people. Those automatically remember, yeah. you know, remember about him. People like me, I could tell you most movies he's been in. He's also the guy that gets killed by an ice cream cone in Last Action Hero. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so that's his big claim to fame in that movie. But Last Action no. Hero is such a corny, goofy, bubblegum sweet thing, but every bit and every just stupid shot and everything else that they do in it is all such done with such love for these types of movies. Yeah, it's a self aware action movie. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to have to do that one. Sometime. Oh, it's, it's on the list, 100%. There's no way you can do an action movie podcast without doing Last Action Hero. Charlie, how do you get to Carnegie? Practice. Practice. That's it. 
All right, so this movie, uh, like I said, 1987, the estimated budget of it was $15 million. Its opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada on March 8th was uh, brought in just under $7 million, but its gross worldwide was $120,207,127,000. Yeah, this, um, this was uh, a of course, big hit. It was a big, big hit. And of course, everyone knows Mel Gibson from the Mad Max movies, but I, I still say this is what made Mel Gibson what Mel Gibson ended up being. This, this, this is this is that one. This brought him over to America, uh, you know, because Mad Max was actually imported from Australia. Mm-hmm. We yeah. didn't get Mad Max until Road Warrior. So oh, yeah. that's why it's called Road Warrior here, but Mad Max 2 in australia because not enough people had seen the first mad max um so yeah those who knew him from that you know kind of had an idea of mel gibson but this is just our really big first explosion of him in hollywood well mad max i mean he has one other he has one film credit before mad max uh called summer city but mad max uh was Let's see it. Yeah, only his second film credit from 1979. So, of course, he did Attack Force Z. I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably surprises you that I've seen that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Mad Max 2, and we got that over here. And like you said, that and then Thunderdome in 85. And then in 87, we get Lethal Weapon. Um, it launched at that point. Lethal Weapon 2, Burn on a Wire, America, uh, Hamlet, all kinds of things at that point. Uh, like I said, he he exploded, and I mean he all he he went not just straight action. He did um, oh was yeah, an airplane movie, Forever Young, Forever they, Young. Uh, yeah, well, Burn on a Wire was a comedy with. I mean, it had action elements. That was with in it, uh, so. Goldie Hawn, wasn't it? Burn mm-hmm. on a Wire. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, he like I said, other than what he has been found out to be known for now. In the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, he was untouchable. I mean, that's A-list Hollywood oh, yeah. star. I mean, you know, later on to do Braveheart and, you know, basically just he was doing his own movies. So, you know, writing his own checks. Um, oh, yeah. He did whatever he wanted to. But, you know, his own personal thing aside, he is way up there on the action hero list and, you know, still... One of my favorites because of Mad Max. Obviously, I love those movies. All the Lethal Weapons, one through four. I, there's not really a bad one in you know the the sequence of those movies. You know, I I do think I like the second one better, uh, but the first one is so good. But the second one just was slicker. Um, the Joe Pesci character being added in there to be the comic relief was really good. Um, but again, I, like I said, I, I, mean, I watched this. Yes. Uh, not yesterday, the day before and texting, you know, I was like, man, this is, yeah, this is still really enjoyable to watch. Well, and this is going to be part of the conversation too, is this is by some people's account, the first buddy cop movie. That's actually mm-hmm. two cops partnered up. Um, we, we put this one and Beverly Hills Cop and Bad Boys all together because we were we knew we wanted to do some type of buddy cop genre movie and 
Beverly Hills Cop isn't like this one is a buddy cop movie. He just gets partnered up later with two other, you know, police officers, you know, with uh, yeah. Judge Reinhold. And, well, and some people say like 48 Hours is the first one. 48 again, Hours. It's, the dynamic's a little different there. Well, yeah, because it's a cop and a felon. So you get that yin and yang kind of thing. Again, Eddie Murphy started that. But I feel like Lethal Weapon is the main first buddy cop. After this is when a lot of the 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 opposite team ups kind of happened. The Tango and Cashes, um, Last I Boy Scout, Last Boy Scout, a lot later. But we even started right. getting movies like uh, I Come in Peace with Dolph Lundgren, and um, I can never remember that guy. guy's got a weird name and I can't remember it. But he gets teamed up with a straight man um fbi agent then you get like um showdown um, and um no oh, little tokyo no yeah no, showdown little, little tro- yeah. tokyo is dolph lundgren and uh brandon lee yeah. so you have that kind of clashing you know uh, well you got like runaway even tom Selleck. i mean it's futuristic but he's still paired up with a partner going after these these robots and stuff yeah yeah, you know, so, so you have all that. Kind of, you have the hard way with James Woods and Michael J. Fox. This this kind of laid the groundwork for that type of genre into an, an, a a sub genre of action movie. Mm-hmm. You got us building stuff together, you and me, dude. If, if we're not Riggs and Murtaugh in real life, <laughs> I don't know what to compare ourselves to. You are getting way too old for this shit, and there's just days I want to jump off a building. Yeah, so. <laughs> well uh, let's talk about Murtaugh let's talk about Danny Glover before yep. this film he obviously had some uh, some roles out there but his big his big two was big three really I guess was Witness Silverado and the color purple and then uh, color purple coming out in 85 and then of course in 87 lethal weapon here and it really kind of again it kind of catapulted him a little bit more as well I mean with another uh, you know, Lethal Weapon, and he had shoot Predator Two, Flight of the Intruder, uh, and tons of other stuff that came out. He was in Too Legit to Quit, <laughs> the video, the, with, the, MC the video with MC Hammer. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> there was all tons of other stuff that that he did after this as well. Yeah, um, I think so. The, the difference this is a big movie for these, a big movie for these. Actors. Yeah, the difference with Danny Glover is he was able to maintain his range of what type of movies he wanted to do. He never really jumped into the action movie things like Mel Gibson did primarily action with sprinkles of other movies. Um, But Danny Glover kind of went a little bit different route, except he just kept getting pulled in for all four lethal weapons. And if the rumor mills true, there's a possibility of the fifth. Um, well, I mean, and, and no disparage. I mean, I, I don't mean a necessary disparaging comment against Mel Gibson, but if you look at Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, Danny Glover's an actor. Mel Gibson is an actor, but he kind of just stayed in his lane, whereas Danny Glover can do all kinds of things. Well, he had range before he did Lethal Weapon, you know. It, my guess would be he was probably more classically trained I would assume, early yeah. on in his career, which is where a lot of those guys, you know, I would have, you get a lot of Sidney Portier kind of vibes from Danny Glover 
mm-hmm. throughout his acting career. And, and and that's not to say that classically trained actors don't do action type films. No, I mean, no. Patrick Stewart was an Excalibur. Well, you, you yeah, had I mean, um, Hans Gruber uh, help me out here. Rickman. Um, Alan Rickman literally was pulled off of a stage in order to do Die Hard. You know, he wasn't even sure he wanted to do it. And look and at thank goodness. Oh my god. Was. I mean, top villain ever right there. I mean, he was an actor. And but hey, uh, I was just gonna say, don't re- be remiss. You were talking about there was a third big star. Yes. Um not everyone can name the star, but everyone can recognize this star. So we're we're gonna play a clip uh from this uh this particular star. It's that Murtaugh saxophone. Man, that that saxophone is it's not lethal weapon without that in the backing track. And that's uh that was Cayman, who did a lot of the action movie kind of soundtracks, and yeah. um, um, Eric Clapton. Yeah, I was going to bring up did the fact that uh, Eric Clapton did a lot of work, which I think he can. He does a lot of stuff with Richard Donner, which is the director of this, mm-hmm. and that's how they're tied in there. But uh, it, it, it's not Lethal Weapon without that saxophone. I mean, it it carries through all four movies it's as iconic as i'm too old for this shit or when they do the one two three do we go on three or do we go after one, three two, then three yeah then asking, three yeah. and funny fact on that which since we're talking about it is that is said in every of them all of the movies but in the first one it's not said by riggs and murtaugh okay it is the police group that are singing the carols. Oh, that's right. In the yeah. precinct. And they do the one, two, three. And the guy starts singing way too early. And they go, no, after three. We don't go on three. So for whatever reason, they either thought that was hilarious and they just gave it to Riggs and Murtaugh to carry out through the rest of the uh, series. It was. It's, it's their version of, I've got a bad feeling about this. It is. Uh, you, you mentioned Richard Donner, the director of this film. Obviously, uh, a lot of people know that name. The yeah. big, some of the big stuff, some of the highlights uh, was the Omen, Superman, the Christopher Reeves version, mm-hmm. uh, Superman Two, and then he also did a different cut of that. Yeah, it's um, called the Donner Cut. It's what yeah. it's actually called. Uh, the movie, The Toy, with Richard Pryor and it's a good movie. Uh, I like the toy. Uh, Jackie Gleason. Yep. Uh, Lady Hawk. That's a great movie. Goonies. Which who, who, I, who can't who can't love the Goonies? One of my all time favorites. Yeah. Um, the Goonies are good enough. Cindy Lopper music videos, part one and two. Yep. Which I showed my oldest son the other day. He got a kick out because Roddy Piper was in there. He recognized. Uh, of course, and then Lethal Weapon, and then Scrooged. And Scrooge is one of my top three, probably favorite um, Christmas time holiday uh, movies. Love that one. Uh, he did all the Lethal Weapon movies, actually. Yep. He did Maverick, which again had 
um, Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson and had um, Denny Glover in it for a second. That's right. He did cameo in that, didn't he? Yeah, it was a bank robber. Uh, he did Assassins and um, uh, a couple other things there. At the, uh, Lethal Weapon 4 and a couple other things. So Most of Richard his career. Big name. Yeah, most of his career has been pretty much hits. You know, I'm yeah, sure there he, might be one or two in there. I don't know, but. He's done okay for himself. <laughs> and we'll, we'll just go ahead and get this out of the way since you talked about Scrooge being your third favorite. This mm-hmm. is also a movie I watch every Christmas. I yes, consider Lethal Weapon. Yep. Not just takes place, has Christmas themes, and it's constantly brought up. You know, well, the first song you hear is Jingle Bell Rock. Exactly. And Riggs buys the drugs at a Christmas tree lot and tries to negotiate a Christmas tree into the deal. Um, they talk true. about the season. There's a guy painting a door with holiday things. So this is one of those movies that, like Die Hard, I consider this part of my Christmas traditions. <laughs> There's a line at the end of it. I, I wish I would have gotten the sound clip for the episode, but um, Gary Busey basically they're they're talking they're playing it's a wonderful life on the TV. Oh they're yeah, like, they're like what day is he? he? Goes it's goddamn Christmas and he shoots he shoots TV. the TV. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's a Christmas tree in the Murtaugh's house that they drive the car through at the end. There's a lot. It's not just it's happening during Christmas. It, it's right it, at yeah, you. Know, it's, it's involved. It's yeah, uh, I'll make that. Riggs gives Murtaugh a gift at the end, even a Christmas gift. So yeah, yeah it, it's very Christmas centric. Well, and it's um, also this was produced with Joel Silver as well, and Joel Silver did Die Hard. So yeah. there's a lot of flavors involved in that but yeah it, it's like yeah. when you go to a certain if when you go to uh hungry jacks you know everything's gonna be flame broiled <laughs> everything same kind of thing right i know the second i get to australia i'm asking where's the closest hungry jack well they're gonna tell you and then i'm gonna ask someone about why it's not called the humongous or tell me a burger place that is mad max themed because well, i'm there gonna already, go there there already was a burger king there so maybe there is maybe they have the humongous I know they have a Mad Max museum. I follow it on Facebook and they get a lot of the, they have a lot of the cars from the movies and they went and finally salvaged the interceptor that gets wrecked, um, in Mad Max road warrior. Mm -hmm. It had stayed there since filming off the ravine and someone else had come through and took the tanks out of the back and a few iconic, but they finally went in and just pulled the whole thing in for the museum. So they oh, actually have the, the blown cool. up interceptor. Yep. That's really cool. Um, let's go ahead and play the trailer for, uh, I was going to say die hard. Let's <laughs> play the trailer for lethal weapon real quick here. Uh, and, uh, stick with us. Here, here play this trailer. Wait, wait, by the way, this trailer is one of the most 80s, iconic, 80s sounding trailers I have heard in a long time. That's what makes the it music awesome. music in the background. It's, it's here. He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No guns, no jujitsu, just bring him down. They really want to jump. Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, I what do you mean? Wait a minute. What the? He was ready to retire. Now, he's going to wish he had. Gone! Oh, oh, oh. Raj, 
Meet your new partner. New partner? <laughs> Too old for this. If these guys can just stand each other... What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old-timers carry those. The bad guys don't stand a chance. That's as 80s as it gets. I love every second of that. <laughs> uh, that just that throws me back to sitting on the couch, watching television. This was before we even had cable. And usually those kind of trailers didn't play till like after 8 o'clock. You know, they, they had that kind of standard of, you know, they don't play these things when the kids are up. And seeing these like movie trailers, I was like, what is this, 87? So I'm seven years old. And you're just like, this was awesome. I can't wait to like watch this movie. And the <laughs> the movie guy voice. I, I mean, just uh, there's like three guys that you just know when they start talking and they're doing the uh, movie guy, you know, this summer. Hold on to your butts. You know, the just world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love it. I really do. So Lethal Weapon. Um, Charlie, do you want to give... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Riggs. The reason he gets pulled over, though, into homicide, he doesn't start in homicide. Like you said, he he's making a um, a cocaine deal at yeah. the beginning of this. He's in narcotics. By the way, everything in the 80s, the only drug in the 80s was cocaine. It was cocaine, the only drug in the 80s. Cocaine or weed. And weed. weed still, yeah. Yeah, because they make both references in this movie. But pretty much... It was just, it was just Coke. That was it. Miami Vice, Coke. This, Coke. Um, uh, Running Scared with Gregory Hines and, and Billy Crystal, Coke. Probably because everyone in Hollywood had some in their car, so it was easy to get the prop. Yeah, you know, I'm it, sure they it, had it. It wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't like it was a big deal. It was right there. It was kind of like the Cheech and Chong movies of the 70s. It's like, we're going to smoke some weed. I got some. Yeah, I, exactly. I got some. We can make a giant joint. Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, let's just do it right now. Hold on a second. They're like, <laughs> "What we're going to get the prop for?" They're like, "Prop." What the hell are you talking about? I've had seven bumps already. Let's get going. Let's do yeah. this. Yeah, that's film. Um, <laughs> all right, why don't you go ahead and take it? Uh, you want to talk about that scene a little bit? I can talk about that scene, and then I'll 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 bring up something else about that that um, I think is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. So the we're we're introduced first we're introduced to Riggs in a like trailer on the beach, um, just your st- you know standard you know uh, bachelor pad TV blaring beer everywhere. He's got his dog uh, Sam the dog is that right? Because Burbank's the cat. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, so you you start this movie off with just Mel Gibson being all disheveled, obviously. And, and let's not for, let's not forget, of course, his bare ass and a little glimpse of probably his manhood. I think that was 
payback for the women that had to go watch this movie and the first five minutes of this movie is nothing but a chick uh, topless dancing on the top of her apartment building railing. Um, before she dove off. Before she dove off. I mean, that, they... That place lo- really looked a lot like the Capitol Records building, too, by the way. Um, I don't know if it was or not, but it looked like it. From my research, it was actually one of the producer's apartments. Yeah, so, and fun fact, it, you know, ignore the toplessness of it, but the girl that plays, her name's Amanda Hunsacker in the movie, is a stunt woman, and she actually performed that stunt and jumped from the balcony. Now, they had an airbag at the bottom, but the trick of it is, is because when you see the camera angle, you're following her falling, and you see car and sidewalk. It's very realistic when you see it. Well, what they had done is they had painted like a backdrop, you know, like you would for, you know, uh, a matte painting, but only onto an airbag of a Mm -hmm. car, the sidewalk, and then everything in the middle of it kind of blended in. So they actually filmed it to the very last second before she impacts the car. And then the camera turns to a side angle to watch her compress the top of the car down. She actually did that jump into an airbag but the reason that it looks so believable is they had painted out this entire block onto the airbag which is kind of impressive if you think about for a a standard stunt that everyone did in the 70s and 80s but they wanted that really impactful no pun intended shot (laughs) of her falling and the camera doesn't leave her to the last second of impact yeah it's kind of a cool um i we talked about that, so I knew that watching it again the other night, and it still looks really good. It, it looks really cool the way they did it. If you, like, I was really paying attention to it, and obviously now we have 65-inch TVs and 4K. There is the tiniest, tiniest little clip that you can start to see a wrinkle appear on the airbag before they do the cut. And I mean, it's a split second that you go, ah, there's there's the the ripple of the, the tarp or canvas that they put on there before they cut the camera to the other angle. Just a cool little fact. You know, when you watch these movies as many times as I have, you start looking for things. Um, matter of fact, there's just an article today. We'll talk about the movie in a second, but this just kind of seems relevant. In Aliens, somebody watching one of the special editions in 4K found a scene that no one had ever seen before of a goof. Uh, James Cameron has never mentioned it. No one in any of the forums have ever done, but there is a scene of the APC driving through the, um, I don't know what you would call that, the camp or whatever that they're investigating for the alien invasion there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, if the guy paused it just right, you see the guy that's remote controlling the miniature APC because it was all done in miniature. The dude's head is poking up over the wall and he's got glasses on top of his head. No one has found that till now. That's uh, wild. I shared it in the group and a couple other guys. I'm like, you guys got to see this. This is insane. Now, um, the actual AP, there was an APC life-size built off of an, a, um, air, uh, a, an airplane, um, baggage vehicle or something it was an airport baggage vehicle those really really flat so there was a life-size ones for the close-up shots but for any of the driving because it was all 
miniature miniature. set there. This, this guy was just watching it for fun and goes, what is that in the corner and pauses it. And there's this dude's head, like from the nose up, did you see him clear as day when you pause it? And (laughs) it's just hilarious. So movie magic, you know, you gotta, I like catching these little things when I'm watching these movies. So let's get back to, uh, Riggs doing the drug deal. So Riggs is, um, work, works narcotics. So he is, um, trying to buy cocaine and it's your, your cliche three drug dealer guys that are running a tree lot and he's there, you know, like, Oh, is this good stuff? And tastes it and everything, you know, that classic eight, I don't know what cocaine tastes like. Apparently it has some specific taste specific. Yeah. Some kind of weird taste. It's like, you know, that's good stuff. Rub my gums. Um, and they do a deal. They say, oh yeah, you can buy the whole thing for, for a hundred. And then Riggs starts counting out a hundred dollars out of his wallet. And it's just, he's just insane. He's not worried about the outcome of everything. So they're getting ready to do the deal. And he pulls out like a hundred dollars and the guys are starting freaking out going, no, no, man, no, no, man. A hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, a hundred thousand dollars. I don't have that, but I, let me tell you what, how about I give you this? And he pulls out a police badge and I take you guys all in, uh, to the, you know, arrested. And, uh, they start freaking out on him and they don't believe him. And he, he, uh, turns a little crazy. Now that's a real badge. I'm a real cop and this is a real gun. Yeah. So they're like accusing him of being like fake or something. Like he's trying to pull what over on him. And then you're, 80s cliche is gunfire there's a guy hiding in the trailer of trees with a shotgun ready to ready to pounce um he kills that guy two others and then chases the other guy the the guy he's chasing it he actually wounds the other because he's on the ground going my leg and he's like where's your oh that's right yeah 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 that's right and then um the other the guy that got away kind of catches him off guard and holds a gun to him and Riggs just starts going, shoot me, shoot him, tell another cop, shoot him. Don't, you know, just do it. Shoot him now, shoot him now. Just losing his mind. And then, uh, the guy gets distracted enough that Riggs, you know, pulls that jujitsu thing that he does in the movie and, uh, just loses his shit on this guy. Like you see it in his eye. Mel Gibson can play a crazy dude. Like he is crazy now that we know, but he <laughs> yeah. could play a crazy dude back then. Well, uh, there's a there's another scene later on in this movie, and the reason we find out because he's in the trailer by himself, the reason he's kind of nuts, um, he ended up he was in Vietnam and he was a sniper and all this other stuff. But one of the reasons we find out that he is nuts is because his wife of what they say eleven years, I yeah, think, it was like eleven, I think, is what it is, was just recently killed in a car accident. Yep. So there's a scene where. He's sitting in his trailer, um, Looney Tunes Christmas is on, yep. and he's going to shoot himself with, with his gun. And the whole scene, he's sitting there, and this is one of the, the, anyway, that scene is the reason he got the movie Hamlet. Yeah. I, I read. I read that. So, but the one thing I do I want to say about that scene, though, is he takes the time, he's got a special bullet that is hollowed out, so it does the job, he says too bad that's not the bullet they show correct 
but they so in the movie he he takes the time to like clean the bullet mm-hmm. he puts it in there he cleans the gun he does all these things which is kind of interesting because i've read a bunch of times that a lot of people that um commit suicide they take the time to make sure everything's in order mm-hmm. um i have unfortunately been on a scene um that was uh, fairly recent uh after a suicide had occurred there and everything was in order and um i mean pristine in order mm-hmm. and so to show that that was uh I don't know who told him to do it. I don't know if it was directing from Donner. I don't know what it was, but that scene just had an element of realism, uh, realism, a little bit of polish to it. Something cool like that, a different level like that. Um, That was really kind of, um, I won't say cool, but interesting to see that that was, that was a scene there. It needed to be done because in this movie, it's kind of the driving force um, for him. He doesn't um, have anything else to live for, essentially. And so that's why he's now, you know, half loony. He's got kind of a, you know, quote unquote death wish. As a matter of fact, we see a lot in this, the police psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever. She keeps saying that he's on the edge. He is, um, he's nuts. He's a burnout. And that's, they, they think he's dangerous. And that's why he gets transferred off of narcotics. And put with Murtaugh because Murtaugh is a longtime trusted um, sergeant. Yeah. So they put him with him thinking that, well, Murtaugh will kind of keep an eye on him, keep him kind of toned down, keep him, you know. Murtaugh just has a birthday in this movie. That's yeah, why he turns he, 50. That's why he's always too old for this. So before we get too far, I want to bring up what I was talking about. There is a kind of a funny story on my part, but there mm-hmm. is a director's cut of lethal weapon not everybody knows about it um it is available it is and that's the funny part i went to go get lethal weapon on a better quality cut like a blu-ray 4k because i have it and it's just on dvd well i found a dvd of it in one of those like get 10 movies for 25 dollar bundle pack things and it happened to be the director's cut and i had the other eight action movies you know so i was only going to get one movie i didn't have and a different cut of lethal weapon so i um i didn't buy it and i ended up watching this it's uh lethal weapons on hbo max right now so yep yep so i watched that with jackie on hbo max because it's a good clean cut well the day after i like to throw it on in the wood shop just in the background Turns out I already owned the director's cut. Um, had no idea that the cut I had was the director's. And there's a whole beginning segment with Riggs before the drug deal that uh, he deals with a playground sniper. Some guy is shooting up a playground full of kids, uh, shoots a couple of cops, and he responds to the call. And you get this kind of mood of him like he shows up. They kind of know him. He goes, what's going on? I was a sniper. He goes, how, how far is SWAT out? And they go, well, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but we got guys down. And he goes, okay. And turns around to walk away from the scene and leave. 
while a cop is running down the stairs and is carrying a kid, uh, the kid had been shot and walks past Riggs and the kid's kind of crying out and Riggs sees it and he just stops. He's just like, you know, you see it in his eyes, like, damn it. Turns around and goes, Hey, is this guy, is this guy a good shot? What do you mean? He goes, is he firing like indiscriminately? Is it a, you know, single shot? Is it semi-auto? They're like, well, he's semi-auto. He, he seems like he knows what he's shooting at, but he hasn't hit everyone. So Riggs takes his coat off, pulls his nine millimeter out and starts walking towards this playground. This guy's up in a high point of a building, piece of metal in front of him. And he's just firing off at all the cops and Riggs just walks straight up. No, no, like hiding or anything. Just walks up, looks up at the opening. He goes, Hey, Hey, sniper guy, let's talk. And the guy just unloads on his direction, but he hits him on the ground all around Riggs. Riggs doesn't move. He's like a statue. Pulls his gun up and unloads every round in the gun into this guy. Blah, 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 blah. Guy's dead. Looks up at it, turns around, walks off, grabs his coat from the guy and just leaves the crime scene. So that was cut because Donner didn't really think it felt right starting Riggs off with that. They wanted that more manic uh, from the drug deal scene to be uh, what you, you're introduced to him as. But man, well, watch, watching that scene, though. It, it makes a lot of sense, though, because later on, they end up, uh, him and Murtaugh ends up on a jumper. And he goes to talk to the... The, the psychiatrist is a while a while out, so he goes, I want to go talk to him. He's like, have you done this before? He goes, yeah, I've done this before. He goes, then yeah. you're nominated. Makes sense. That's what he's done before. They're, they're, they did really good about not direct like plot holes that you're like, why did they say that or why did they do that? You just assume he's dealt with it before like Murtaugh did. Yeah. But seeing that scene in there, now the director's cut just added... Um, Really just extended a few other scenes. The fight between him and Joshua at the end is a little bit longer. Um, there was actually a whole different ending that I'll go into as we get towards the end of it. Uh, but the director's cut, really other than that particular scene um, at the beginning with the sniper. And I guess after I've seen the original Lethal Weapon countless times. It was still kind of worked watching that newer scene, you know, especially where I'm like, I didn't know I had the director's cut, which means I probably haven't even stuck that DVD in the player since I bought it. Oh yeah, um, probably yeah. Well, you know how I am. I I have movies I haven't I haven't even watched yet. I have movies that I have four different versions of Total Recall because I you, bought you, that 4K version the other day. You have movies that no one has sh- should have had to have watched, so I'm sure you have movies that you haven't talking seen. about. Um, when he gets to the jumper, it's a kind of an important scene. He goes to the jumper to um, control the jump, get him down or whatever. And he ends up handcuffing himself to the jumper. And you have another scene of him there. The, the crazy comes out. Um, yeah, I'll play this real quick. Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on, let's do it. asshole. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so so he grabs the guy and he jumps and lands in an airbag. Yep. And the guy's freaking out. He's laughing about it. And 
Yeah, he goes, let's go again. Yeah, (laughs) I love that line. So Murtaugh grabs him. They go into a storefront and they start talking like, not talking really nuts. Murtaugh gives him up the freaking road. He loses his shit on him. And he's like, he's like, you're really crazy. You're going to kill yourself. And um, then tells him to do it. Yeah. Gives him his gun. And that's another pretty powerful scene is when Murtaugh, because in Murtaugh's mind, it's either he's crazy because he's wanting to get a check or he's just really crazy. They, they make that whole thing about why no one wants to work with him is either I'm crazy because I'm on the draw or I'm really crazy and I'm going to get somebody killed. Well, Murtaugh's just like tired of it. And he goes, look, if you're going to kill yourself, do it now. Hands him his uh, six shooter because he carries six shooter. Riggs carries, you know, the Glock. Beretta. Yeah. The Beretta. And they they argue about where the bullet should go. So he goes, he goes to put it up against his head and he goes, no, no, don't put it there. Might go through your ear or something. And he puts it up under his chin. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to blow the top of my brain out. That's what I'm going to do. And this intensity from the two of them as he's pulling the trigger, you know, and Murtaugh's just like, he's not stopping. He's not stopping. And he literally does pull the trigger and Murtaugh throws his hand in the middle, uh, in the way of the hammer and yep. pinches his hand. And he's like, you really are crazy. You're not trying to collect a check. Yeah. You're, you're nuts. <laughs> Which is also one of my other favorite lines right after that is where, uh, Riggs just goes, I'm hungry. Yeah, and he just goes breakfast. <laughs> yeah, but he had just had a chili dog, so I don't understand. He's uh, <laughs> he's eating in this movie a lot. He does. He's always eating yeah. something in this movie. Um, so that's one of those scenes where there's a lot of realization between the two characters now, and Murtaugh's like, "All right, this guy's not faking it, right?" You know, um, there's a there's a scene in the movie before that happens when they're first getting to know each other. Like you said, there, Riggs is talking to him. He's like, "Okay," he goes, "Everyone thinks that I'm crazy, and I'm at, which means I'm effed, yeah, or they think that I'm just faking it, and no one wants to work with me, and, and I'm effed." And Ertog goes, "Well, I guess we both be effed then, you know, goes, kind of thing." He goes, hey. "I don't want to work with you, <laughs> you know." Yeah. So he gets in the car. And this is the, the this Murtaugh says something to him and, and Riggs says something back. And it's the really the microcosm of kind of how Riggs feels at this point. God hates me. That's what it is. Hate him back. It works for me. You know, and that just really kind of tells you, like, that's how he feels right now because of losing yeah. his wife and everything. He just he doesn't care anymore. You know, no, it's, he's it's. it's He's not afraid of death. He's not afraid of dying. He's right. he's reckless only really when it it's involves him, you yeah. know, and when it has to be done that way. Yeah, you know, the jumper you don't see the airbag till after the jump. So you're you know as as the audience you're like, did they just jump off the building? What what's going on? Then the realization of I was controlling the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so he had a reason. To do that, the the next guy he kills, um, Murtaugh shoots the guy in the leg at the at the drug house that they get invited into, and then the guy pulls a gun on uh, Murtaugh and Riggs knocks him into the pool cover, 
and the pool cover. Yeah, he does shoot him because he's a yeah, little bit away. Yeah, he, he, he jumps in to save him. Um, so <laughs> at, it's great that he pops up after the water and he goes, "Oops, <laughs> yeah, whoops." Uh, it's uh, those are the little tiny comedy aspects. See, this movie is not like the other three. There's funny parts in this movie, and there's levity, but it. It's nothing like two, three, and four, where they really were truly buddies, best friends, yeah. brothers, and they could rip on each other. It happens a little bit as the movie goes, yeah, because they're by finding the end, their by the end of it, you know that they're solid. That's brotherhood. Yeah, no, yeah. the the end. I mean, it's bonded by blood. I guess is yeah. one way to look at. It. They've been through something pretty traumatic, but uh, yeah. So this one, and I think that's why two. Sometimes I lean more towards to watch it and enjoy it than one is because of the the comedy aspect, mm-hmm. not just Joe Pesci, but the interactions between Riggs and Murtaugh, because in number two, the South African bit puts me in tears every time I watch it, you know? Yeah, the, I, like I said, I like the second one better for sure. Um, yeah. There is a, a pretty good line because as they're going to go question the 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 drug dealer that was paying for Amanda Hudsucker's apartment, apartment at the beginning of this, um, he t- he keeps telling Riggs, "Don't kill anybody. We got to question this guy. Don't kill anybody. I won't kill anybody." He goes, "No, no, seriously, don't kill anybody. I'm not going to kill anybody." So he ends up killing this guy, <laughs> um, and he pops out. You know, they pop up out of the pool after trying to get to him. He, oops, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then they're one of my. I really like this line. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's like Riggs knows his reputation and stuff. He knows all this. And he was like, look, I, I wasn't trying to kill this guy. It just it ended up being what it is. And Murtaugh thanks him for saving his life after this, you know. And that's when things start to really kind of ease between the two. Yeah. Well, and then Murtaugh kind of starts seeing, you know, they he opens up, or Riggs opens up a little bit about what he did in Nam. Mm-hmm. And that the fact he's a really good killer, you know, he realized that's what he was good at at a young age. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get too far, there's a whole nother plot with um, Amanda Hussacker, where she dies at the beginning. Her dad's involved with um, these drug runners that are ex-military. It's pretty um, much the plot of the whole thing. It's why it, they're together. It, yeah. I guess, yeah, you could say it's the plot. I look at the plot as the the bond of Murtaugh and Riggs. Yeah, well, I mean, the reason, you know, the, the case that Murtaugh is working the case. is because... We'll say case. Yeah, it's because she's dead, and it was... it was His friend. Homicide, but yeah. it's because his friend. So that's the case they're working the entire run of this. Yeah, they're treating it like a murder, and uh, his friend reached out to him before she had died, and he didn't get back with him. And so they're, they're going about it as you know, she, uh, you know, the dad says she's in porn and all this other stuff. Well, as it comes through that, that was actually the dad and his dealings with these drug runners and dealers is what got her killed because he was going to, you know, squeal, you know, on them. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't realize they're fighting against like ex special forces. Yeah. Mercs. That are yeah. bringing in all this, uh, all this uh, heroin and, and and cocaine and stuff. Which that's where we get Gary Busey. You know? Yeah, he, Not, Mr. Joshua, Mr. Joshua. Um, 
And Busey even says this is the movie that kind of relit his career was uh, doing Lethal Weapon. Um, One of my favorites is still DC Cab. DC Cab's funny, but it's not an action. Well, there's some action in it. People get kidnapped. They have to go rescue them and stuff. There's a whole yeah, car chase. I mean, there, there's that kind of stuff. But wait, wait, it, I he love was, DC Cab. There's a flamethrower in DC Cab. But his his career was actually on the decline before um, Mr. T's weapon. in DC Cab. I know Mr. T's in DC. I am well aware of DC Cab. <laughs> this is the second the episode you get to talk about DC Cab. Um, <laughs> that one of the bald ones is in Predator 2 with Gary Busey. That's true. See, it's all connected. Every bit of it's connected. Just the like circle you, of life. We were talking about Gary Busey, and then it just made me want to watch uh predator 2 because murtaugh Busey because like oh, it's just i gotta watch that now i, I but, believe there's also a baldwin in the action classic backdraft i still don't know if i consider that an action classic and jason um, gedrick jason gedrick's in backdraft too. yes jason gedrick is is in is in backdraft a classic movie um, yes mystery. featuring action stars like jason gedrick some actors that are in it. Um, Donald Perth. Sutherland. He was in uh, Kelly's Heroes action movie. I like Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Donald, Suther- Donald Sutherland looks like he's been 80 years old for 50 years. I know. I know. So see, if you think about it, Backdraft had uh, um, Kurt Russell action movie, Sutherland action movie, uh, De Niro action movie. Just because uh, they're actors in other action movies Gedrick, does not make uh, Backdraft an action Jason movie. Gedrick, action movie. Um, so see, it really brought together a whole cast of action movie um, uh, icons to make this big action movie. So did Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, but that's not an action movie. Uh, there, there's some action in there. <laughs> there's some action in there. John Leguizamo. Patrick Swayze, Wesley, Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. So I could play that game too, sir. Well, hey, uh, that's fine. Tu Wong Fu is now an action movie. Charlie just said that. <laughs> that's not what I said. <laughs> anyway, so we got Gary Busey. He's Mr. Joshua. He's kind of like the main henchman to um, the general, which he has a name in the movie. But even when me and Dan were first talking about it, I went, oh, yeah, that guy. Doesn't he play like a general? And that's how he's listed in IMDb is the general. He's got, they say his name and I can't remember what it is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, General, uh, I don't know, General <laughs> McAllister. Uh, that's what it is. McAllister. McAllister. So they say his name like twice. Yeah. But um, Gary Busey's kind of like your main visual of the bad guy. You know, he's, yeah, the, one, he's the main bad guy, really. Yeah. He's the. He's the sniper that kills Murtaugh's friend when he's finally divulging all this information. So he's in the helicopter shooting. Um, he's supposedly the one that sets the bomb at the prostitute's house Dixie. when they go to yep go yep. to question her. And um, that's he's a fun. The, he, he the final fight scene is between him and 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 um, Riggs. Yeah, because that both mercenaries uh riggs knows the general because he knows one of the uh out uh, shadow shadow company shadow company which we i completely forgot to even bring this up we went into donner this is a shane black movie this is written by 
the godfather of action, Shane Black. Um, this is probably the one that put him on the map to get recognized as uh, action movie scripts. And this originally started out before it was Lethal Weapon was a movie called Shadow Company was going to be a action zombie comedy movie. I'm interested. I want to see that movie. Um, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm now I'm interested in that. Yeah, sold, sir, sold. I want to see that. Um, matter of fact, sounds I, kind of it sounds kind of like a short-lived conceptual um, comic book about uh, the zombie squad that goes out and hunts zombies. Yeah, actually, I was thinking more along the lines. I haven't watched it yet. Me and Jackie have been trying to watch it for over a week, but uh, Army of the Dead that's on Netflix right now. Uh, okay, so I want to watch it, but I hear there's a, an issue with dead pixels in the movie itself. Really? Pe- yeah, people have watched it, and they said that they, they thought that there was dead pixels on their TV or whatever. Uh, come to find out, it's something they don't really know what happened. They didn't see it during editing. They didn't see it during initial screenings. It's something with the way it was uploaded to Netflix and the way it comes across on your your device. Some yeah, something about dead pixels. So I haven't watched it yet. I kind of want to see it, but yeah, I don't. I don't know what the deal is either with it. Uh, Jackie turned it on. Anthony was still up getting ready for bed, and from what I understand, the first like three minutes of the movie is pretty graphic um, sexually. Uh, so she stopped it and Man, Batista getting your groove on, but, uh, and I also know that they like digitally removed somebody from the movie. Wait, like, wait. do you mean to tell me the beginning of that movie is Drax's ding dong? I don't know if it was Batista. Um, oh God. I mean, I didn't know she started the movie because I was, uh, matter of fact, we were, it was when I was listening to the raw cut of our last episode. So I was listening to it, not paying attention to the television. And she stops it all of a sudden. I'm like, what What are you doing? She goes, well, I had on, you know, that movie we wanted to watch. I'm like, I, I can't pay attention to it. I'm doing something. And she's like, I had to stop it anyway because Anthony doesn't need to see that. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. But I've heard through the grapevine it's something sexually. Hard something ween-oriented. More than likely. Um, but anyway, I did hear that um, they they digitally removed an entire character, um, the Chris D'Elia character, the comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and put someone else in his place. So I was kind of curious to see that. But anyway. Yeah, that worked out, yeah. So Shane Black wrote Lethal Weapon. And in Shane Black fashion, the original cut was dark. Like, you think the whole part of Riggs trying to shoot himself and everything is dark. According to everyone that read the script and even Shane Black, it was darker than what we got um, as far as the Riggs character. Like, I even think that uh, he kills Riggs at the end of it. Um, so they had some rewrites. There's a another credited at the right, uh, screenwriter that helped. But this is a Shane Black action movie. And I'll always bring him up because, you know, he did the Predator. He did, you know, Lethal Weapon. He did Cobra. Cobra. He did so many action movies. Wasn't it the Monster Squad or something like that that we've read that he did? 
Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. But I, I'm a Shane, Shane Black fan. So I would not be surprised. Wanted to bring that up. Um, so, yeah. Well, so sh- they were working for the guy was working yeah, for Shadow yeah. Company. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so that's what is driving the rest of the movie is there. They end up kidnapping Murtaugh's daughter. Um, and well, after they, they shoot Riggs. So they think Riggs is dead. He's really not wearing a bulletproof vest. Um, so they try to use it as their advantage. So Riggs can go be like a sniper at the meeting place to, um, get Murtaugh's daughter back. And I bring that part up because there's a nice little cameo that you really, really, really have to look hard to see him. But our good old buddy Sven Ol Thorson is in this movie. And he is a middle limousine passenger side standing there and the menacing towering man Big that he giant is. Giant man, yeah. <laughs> and Big old dude. You get uh I think the middle of the uh where uh Murtaugh throws the like smoke grenade. Mm-hmm. You do get one good shot of him, but I think Riggs actually kills him uh, during that whole scuffle when he starts firing off at the mercenaries. No, it makes um, sense. But hey, Sven's in the movie. You know, you gotta, go. give, gotta give love to Sven. Whenever you see him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a quick break real quick. And when we come back, we will finish up this episode of Green Back My Action Movies. We will talk about the uh, the body count. And, of course, we will talk about the Aliong system, and we will actually hear from Aliong in this episode to give me back my action movies. Hey, everyone, me again. I just wanted to let you know real quick that I also co-host another podcast, a weekly podcast called the Noka News Network. I'm Ricky. I also co-host the Noka News Network podcast with you, Dan. I know. You snuck in here on this one, didn't you? Yes, I did. Everyone, we appreciate everybody listening to Give Me Back My Action Movies, obviously. But if you'd like to listen to news that no one cares about, then check us out at Noka News Network. Ricky, where can they find us? We're on Spotify. We're on uh, Apple Music We're or, or iTunes Podcasts, however that Whatever works. it's called. However that works. And you can check us out on Facebook as well. And you can always email us over at newsroom at nokanews.com. And uh, check us out over there. We're having that's, a good time, Ricky. That's true. We're posting the podcast to our YouTube channel, too. So if you'd rather watch it that way, it's over there. Just search Noka News Network. And, and enjoy the news that no one cares about. It's a good time. I promise. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Give Me Back My Action Movies, the podcast, talking about Lethal Weapon. Episode uh, we, 10. Ep, ep, no, this is, no, no, this is the first Lethal Weapon we're talking about. No, episode 10 of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is episode 10 of us. We've made we've it had, to ten of these, man. Be high. We've had nine sequels. <laughs> we're the tenth. We're the the Fast and Furious franchise right now. That's it. I'm done. I'm turning this off right now. <laughs> what button do I hit to turn this off and burn it? Um, I I'm more hyped than I sound. I'm like I said, I'm dying. Dan, Dan um, is muscling through this. I can tell you through the video <laughs> chat that we do that he every time we take a break, he, he takes micro naps. 
Um, uh, I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, I recorded this in the bedroom, so I can just lay down here. And if I want, there to. you go. This is how I feel about. I, I this is how I feel right now about doing this podcast. I'm too old for this shit. That's how I feel. I mean, you, you are st- straight mm. up channeling your uh, Roger Murtaugh this My episode. Murtaugh, I, I really am. Um, so let's. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 speed up to a very important part of this movie yes very 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 important part of this movie charlie was saying they go after they they kidnap they shoot Riggs and they kidnap murtaugh's daughter to find out what they know from hudsacker before mr joshua can kill him yeah so during the attempted rescue attempt attempted rescue attempt during the rescue attempt General McAllister catches Riggs. Yeah. And they bring Riggs and Murtaugh to this seedy place. Warehouse. To, uh, to know, interrogate the, them. Yeah. It's the 80s. It's a warehouse. Uh, they also the have the daughter still, too. Yes. And they go to uh, interrogate uh, Riggs, and he's hung on a hook in a shower of water. Yep. And Mr. Joshua is talking to him about. We wish we, you know, what do you know? And he goes, we don't know nothing. He goes, I wish I could believe you, but I don't. So I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Endo. And Mr. Endo has forgot more about dispensing pain than we will ever know. <laughs> Mr. Endo is Aliong. Oh, Mr. Aliong. Mr. Aliong has uh, two of very few speaking parts uh, in, in his film career. But this is one of them. No shit, we're safe. He'd have told us. Nobody can take that. Fine. Badass soldier, huh? Yeah, so they, they've worked over Rick. So he's using electric a, a sponge, yep. jumper cables, and it's not a car battery. My guess is they're using a car battery charger. It, it to, looks, yeah, it's like a car battery or a boat battery or something to that extent. Yeah, so it's on a dolly. Um, I always say that because dad made one for jump starting all the vehicles we have floating around. Um, there are many. And I also know that if you touch the positive and negative of a jumper cable attached to a battery, it doesn't do anything to you. So my guess is it's like ran to a battery charger to get that extra amperage that he's charging through rigs. Um, and I, I got to give credit to Gary Busey in this scene because, you know, Riggs is hanging by a chain and Endo is Ali Ong's character is actually named in this. I love that, that his name yeah. is Endo and he's like pushing these things onto him and you hear the shocking. Well, he gets swinging and Gary Busey pushes him back towards Endo. And there's a moment that he's pushing and Endo touches Riggs. And Gary Busey pulls his hands back as if he got shot too. And I'm like, uh, watching it again, I'm just like, that's actually really cool that he didn't just play it off like he's pushing back and forth. He made it seem like it's such a charge that he felt it coming through his body and he reacts to it. Yep. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That That's some good like method acting kind of stuff right there. Yeah, it is. That, that was pretty cool. Um, And then obviously when they think they have, finished off pretty much Riggs. He's still alive, but they've yeah. worked him over so much. 
and he hasn't divulged anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so Endo has uh, one more line after he talk after he talks to, to Mr. Joshua. And Mr. Joshua goes, "All right, we're safe." You know, you heard the line. Yeah, he tells Endo to go finish him off. So this is Endo uh, and Endo's sad, sad end. So yeah, so he's telling him, sorry, pal, say goodnight. He goes to kill him, basically, and chokes him out with his feet. His feet, yeah, and and kills him. And and that's how Riggs escapes so they can escape and and save the day and things. So but that's uh that's a few of Aliong's um only so spoken lines. So well, bit of trivia. And I know I told you earlier, but we're going to fill everyone in. He has another line in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. And IMDB doesn't list it. And a lot of people don't know it unless you have watched Henchman, the Al Leong story, which is the biography of Al Leong's career in movies, where he divulges there's a scene where we first get introduced to Mr. Joshua, the general, they're uh, orchestrating a, a drug deal. They're in a club and there's this like generic eighties band playing in the background. And you see a guy standing in front of them. you never see his face and he's yelling at him going, no, 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 no. I can get twice a talented band for half the price. Do it again. That's Al Leong. And he tells everybody about that in his uh, interview during Henchman, the Al Leong story. He goes, yeah, that's actually me yelling at him. It makes sense because no one really knew his voice. So it's like they no. got anyone to do that bit. So it makes sense. You he, know? I mean, hell. His, after you've seen him so much and you have seen the few things he talks, yeah, okay, you can understand that's his voice. But for the longest time, he's kind of like the Mr. Bean of Henchman. There was not a lot of talking <laughs> coming from Ali, well, from a lot of these henchmen guys, they weren't paid to talk or act. They were paid to do stunts and, the, you know. The Mr. Bean of henchmen. That's pretty Tell, tell me that's not pretty accurate. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty close, man. But, um, no, and we're making a big deal because this is episode 10 and we finally get Ali on, our patron saint of our ranking system. Um, I'm pretty stoked. I mean, I'm yeah. a huge Al Leong fan. Well, we, we get Al there for a moment. Um, Mr. Joshua escapes as Riggs tries to chase him on foot. Um, yeah, pretty but, epic car chase, foot chase. I yeah. gotta say. Yeah. Uh, McAllister ends up trying to leave and, and Murtaugh shoots the driver of the car that he's in, a la classic 80s. Yep. Shoot the driver bit. Well, you, uh, you, you also get Murtaugh's uh, signature neck, neck crack yeah, that they carry, through, they carry it through the rest of the movies, but yeah. I, I do have to say, so we see that signature crack when he and uh, Riggs are on the shooting range yeah. talking about the case. Yeah. During that shooting, that scene in particular is one of my least favorite scenes in the whole movie. Because Riggs is supposed to be this super highly trained badass marksman sniper, he he, he demonstrates his his marksmanship in yeah. this scene. The problem though is every time he squeezes his, the trigger of that gun, 
he closes his eyes and winces during the entire that entire scene. Every time he's like bang, uh, bang, uh, bang, uh, every time he does it, and I'm sitting there going, "All right, well, someone should have either did the sounds in post or told Mel Gibson to quit being a wuss or something." Because every time he does it, he he flinches and he, and, he gets a squint. You're not eye. wrong. Yeah, you're and you're, you're not like, wrong. You're like, there's no way in hell someone would do that. That is supposed to be that badass with firearms. That's my only complaint. I noticed it again, and I was like, I hate this. This is bugging me. Anyway, so we get that that neck crack. That's my my bitch about this particular movie. There you go. Um, but at least Steven Seagal wasn't in it, so there you go. Damn. Um, hey, damn. No, no. So you said my name, so I appeared. What is what is he? Freaking Candyman. <laughs> he shows up now. Like you got the, juice. He never left the studio. He's just been crashed out in the studio for like two Beetle, weeks. He's like Beetlejuice. I just go, shitty actor, shitty actor, shitty actor. And he shows up out of nowhere. Charlie, Charlie let me crash at his pad here, Dan. So, you know. Actually, no, he's in Russia or some shit right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> Hey, Seagal, get out of the paint booth. Um, so, <laughs> what does that store? Yeah, yeah, make him say some boys. <laughs> so, uh, so McAllister ends up exploding in the middle of the road essentially well he wrecks the vehicle yeah after after murtaugh shoots the driver and it's full of cocaine and And hand grenades the most 80s 80s thing you have ever said in your life is his car's full of cocaine and hand grenades that's that's exactly what it is it does i think murtaugh shoots again and that's when it blows up or does it just catch fire i can't even remember because i'm so fixated on the hand grenades that fall out of the car mccallister's trying to reach the grenades because the car's on fire now and that's what it is yeah because there's not just like two or three there's like 20 grenades that fall down (laughs) all over the cocaine there are so many grenades that that uh, steve rogers could not have jumped on the ball it's it's ridiculous well, you get that kind of stuff, and then you get Gary Busey dropping one-liners every time he takes over a car in the yeah. car chase. Nice test drive your BMW, and he takes the dude's car, and it's just this it's, is a very nice car. I want to take it for a test drive. Yeah, classic Busey. Style oh my stuff. god! So they end up having to go back to um, Murtaugh's house because he know they know where he lives. So they end up yeah. going back there, and uh, that's when we get Busey shooting the TV. And uh, the final fight scene. Before before you do the fight scene, I want to do my bitch of the movie. Go ahead. So you bitched about uh, Riggs wincing when he fires the gun. Yes. Here's my bitch. So they know they're heading to Murtaugh's house. There are two cops posted outside of Murtaugh's house to guard it. Gary Busey pulls up. And shoots these guys dead cold. Because they're like, can we help you? And he goes, no. And shoots both of them. Then goes into the house. Here's the Christmas movie. Shoots it. Goes, you know, it's Christmas, damn it. There's a note for him on the Christmas tree saying, dear bad guy, sorry we missed you or something. So, and then a cop car goes flying through the window, through the tree. And Riggs is there waiting to take on Busey. So yeah. were the two other cops just bait? Did, did they not care that these two cops were sitting out like, hey guys, we're going to run in and leave a note. The bad guy is coming. 
So either hide or, or some, just no, capped. no, left their asses there yeah. to die and then get mad at him. This guy killed two cops. You know, <laughs> this, so it's like, no, assholes, you killed those cops because you didn't freaking warn them before you went in and wrote a note that said, dear bad guy, sorry, you missed us. We're going to run a car up your ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's my bitch of the movie. The only thing I can think of is that maybe Murtaugh called home and had him write the note. I and that's such a stretch. But <laughs> there's no way. Hey, I, honey, yeah. I need you to write this note real quick before Do you get the hell out of the house guy. because the yeah. bad guy's coming to kill you. Because a guy yeah. with a machine gun called Mister Joshua is coming to the house for dinner. Leave the TV on on a Christmas episode, you know. So yeah, it, no, it was they left two cops to die. Yeah, that's my that's my that's the bitch I have of the movie. Everything yeah, else did, I don't did. have a problem with. No, they absolutely did. Go ahead to the um, final fight, man. So then at the end, they have a pretty actually badass fight scene between uh Mr. Joshua and yeah. Rick. And um it, it's it's really pretty cool because they're gonna arrest him. And uh Riggs it's kind of soldier deserves soldier, ma'am, type of thing from It's uh, Alpha soldier. Male versus Alpha Male is exactly yeah. what it comes down to. Because so, he tells him he's like, You want a shot at the title. What do you say, Jack? Would you like a shot at the title? Yeah, exactly. Don't mind if I do. Yeah, so now yeah. these two go on this ten minute fight where Joshua finds a pole in the ground or something, swings at him. Uh, Riggs gets a nightstick, starts blocking it, and they start yeah. fighting each other. Everyone shows up to arrest him, and Murtaugh keeps going, This is my, this is, I'll take responsibility. This is, responsibility. this is on me. This is on me. Yeah, everyone's. All the cops, all the cops would have been like, No. To but, the full, they even had to put on the radio, Sergeant Murtaugh is on, on um, is in charge until the watch command gets there. So they, they really drove home the fact that it's on Murtaugh. Yeah. So, they end up having a really pretty good fight. Um, but did and, you see and, that and they uh, they had brought in special trainers for him and Busey that they uh, the guy wanted to teach uh, Mel Gibson a style of fighting that hadn't been seen on screen? Cap- yeah. uh, Capoeira. Or oh, Capoeira, yeah, 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 Capoeira. Uh, they specifically wanted to teach him that because it had never been filmed in a movie like that before. So yeah, they I wanted mean, to give him this like air of uh, special forces, you know, learned everything to kill. In the middle, in that fight, you see elements of jujitsu, capoeira, um, kali, and yeah. um, wang chung. There's so there's, there's like three five or, four or six different, different martial yeah. arts. Yeah, it's it, it looks really legit and and pretty believable. It's this watching is, it again. I'm thinking to myself like this is one of my probably top five favorite fight scenes in an action this, movie. This is actually just under They Live, the the brawl. That's still my the, favorite fight scene. That's number one. I don't care what anyone says. That movie is number one on on-screen oh. fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, he he beats Joshua. He leaves him alone. He was going to kill him. And he had him, and he was going to snap his neck, and he finally yeah. goes, ah, you're not worth it, and just kicks him off. And you can see at that point, finally, Riggs has finally kind of flipped the switch and transformed to, I don't know, quote unquote, normal. You know, he's not like 
but because before, like Charlie said, every time he would be in a situation, you'd see him just twitching, and, yeah. and he wants to kill him. He wants to kill him, and well, he and this time he finally doesn't because he realizes like he's got other things. What this scene showed was a flip of character. Yeah. So Riggs lets him live the whole time the fight's going. Murtaugh is agony on. Yeah, kill him, Rig. Kill it. Snap his neck. Yep. Snap his neck. I mean, Murtaugh's like, I don't care. He went after my family. Kill him. And Riggs doesn't. So there's this juxtaposition of their character back you don't and forth. know what that word means. I know words, you <laughs> sick, delirious bastard. You. Uh, I am yeah, that. <laughs> uh, so Joshua, though, as the cops are going to go cuff him, he pulls one of their service revolvers. And as he goes to aim it at Riggs and Murtaugh, they both clear their weapons and, and kill him at that point. Yeah. Both deliver so to him. The classic 80s super slow motion. Yeah. You know Joel Silver's involved with this because it's almost the same shot for shot as the bad guy at the end of Die Hard when he comes running out of the building and uh, Carl Wilson shoots him. It's super slow motion. You see the gunfire. Bad guy falls down. Yeah. Uh, if you watch it, Murtaugh fires first, actually. He does. I would make one small change to that scene. And actually, there's another, there's an alternate ending, but I'll do that in a second. So my change is throughout the movie, they kind of are agging on each other a little bit. Then they start talking about each other's guns, where uh, Riggs makes the comment about uh, the six-shooter. Oh, a lot of old-timers carry that. And um, Murtaugh is looking at Riggs's gun, you know, describing it. Oh, yeah, 15, you know, in the clip, one in the pipe, all this stuff. I would have had them pull each other's guns. Yeah. Because yeah, that would have been that would have been a cool. Riggs thing. didn't have his gun on him. He handed it off to do the fight with Mr. Joshua. And Murtaugh wraps him in the raincoat that they give him. So he's tucked in tight to Murtaugh. You never see him get his pistol back. So yeah, he pulls it like out of his belt. Yeah, yeah. So you can infer that maybe Murtaugh has it. But it would have made more sense that Riggs had pulled out the six-shooter, which he would have had more access to. And at the same time, Murtaugh had Riggs's pistol. Yeah, and they that, each, would, that would have been cool. I, I It doesn't change anything about the movie, but just visually, I think that would have been an awesome Little ending. Twist. Yeah, that they, not only did they switch character slightly, they were then firing each other's preferred weapon. Hmm, what a twist. But, um... The the deleted scene that I don't even know if it was actually filmed, but it was written and Donner wanted to change it up because it was too dark. Was Riggs puts his thumbs through Joshua's eyeballs and kills him that way. So he gets him in one of those like headlocks at the end of a fight and then just pushes his thumbs into both of his eyes and kills him. And Donner didn't want it. I guess Donner wanted to do the the whole thing of the character change for Riggs. Um, well, we saw that we, we, we did see, we get to, we get to see that as a kill later on in game of Thrones. So it's okay. Hey Dan, I also did that to uh, Tommy Lee Jones in uh, under siege. I just want to point that out right now. Get back in there and saying, I'm not paying you till you get it done. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I'll be, I'll be over here working. God, I hate him. 
Um, so that essentially is die hard. Die hard. <laughs> you did it again. Dude, I'm, I, dude, I, I see pink elephants in the room. That is lethal weapon. Everyone. That's awesome. Um, I can't, eventually we're going to do die hard. I'm going to talk about lethal weapon the entire time. We have to now. It's just part uh, of the bit. <laughs> all right. So that's lethal weapon. Everyone. That is an hour and a half of us talking about lethal weapon, Australian Burger King and Steven Seagal showing up and being an asshole. Well, I'll, Charlie, ma- I'll, I'll make this worthwhile. Uh, Mel Gibson was offered the part of John McClane and Die Hard, and uh, Bruce Willis was offered the role of Riggs in Lethal Weapon, and they both turned the, the, those roles down and did the opposite. So right, there well, you go. I don't feel so bad. I fixed it, sir. I Thank fixed you. it. Why don't you go ahead and fix the rest of this train wreck and bring us home with the body count? Yeah. Oh, that never gets old here. You go. I love that. I love that. All right, Charlie, what is the body count of Lethal Weapon? For such an action-packed movie, this one doesn't have a huge body count. I think it's probably one of the lowest of the movies we've done so far. Uh, it's got a body count of 26. Is that including me? Because I may okay. not live through this. 27 if Dan doesn't make it through the episode. It's a good uh, possibility. Although I think Steven will take credit for killing you. So um, we'll have to add that to the uh, 67 in Undersea. But no, uh, 26. Uh, the And the only little tidbits I have is 17 of those was by Riggs. Yeah. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Four is Murtaugh, and Mr. Joshua killed two people, which were the two cops that someone could have warned and saved, but didn't. Incorrect, sir. He also killed Michael Hunsucker. You're right. He did kill Michael Hunsucker because yeah. he fired it from the from the gun. The chopper. So, so there there are three on screen kills and one inferred that he killed the. Dixie, the the prostitute with the uh, yeah, so before um, technically yes, technically if because there was a lot of mercs, so they who knows who actually set the bomb, but anyway, uh, um, yeah, the, it could have been it could have been Al, it could have been Al. Okay. So the total count body count for this episode is twenty six. Let's now go to everyone's favorite bit, which the body count bit is uh, definitely. Uh, a lot of people's favorites but let's go to the rating system the classic alleyongs the rating system i we still need to put up some we need to get together some type of alleyong rating system sound bite or music or just just i gotta just play the play the alleyong clip one more time uh well all right i gotta get it hold on a second i gotta get the thing working on here and i'm all right, so we got to get some kind of sound or something here for this Allion rating system that we got to do. Yeah. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, I, I, I really am. Uh, let, me, let me find this. Here we go. <laughs> no shit, we're safe. He'd have told us. Nobody can take that. Fine. Badass soldier, huh? Badass right. Allion is what it is. That's what it is. Charlie, how many Alleyongs are you going to go ahead? You know what? I'm, I'm going to start. You started. You did, you did last week's. I did. 
I'm going to give this movie four and a half Allions. Ooh. I thought about giving it five, but I, I was thinking about some of the other ratings that I have done in the past on some of the other movies we've done. As much as I like this movie, I like Soldier better, and I rated Soldier four and a half Allions. Mm. So based on that, I'm going to go with four and a half Allions on this one. There's not a whole lot to bitch about. Mel Gibson's I'm Crazy Mel is a little over the top in places on this. The flinching shooting the gun bit is kind of stupid. Uh, but beyond that, I, I everything else is pretty damn good. So I'm going to give it four and a half Allianz. So I'm going to counter your points and go, had Mel Gibson not had done that role like he did, we wouldn't have the Mel Gibson that we got throughout the eighties and nineties that kind of probably not cemented him into this and added a, made it more enjoyable to watch the rest of them. Cause number two is not as jovial as the other two movies. Cause you still get that intense, especially when they kill his girlfriend and he loses his shit. So, I have no problem with how Mel Gibson did this. Uh, my only complaint is they let two cops die for no reason. But, 10th episode, Lethal Weapon, first appearance of Ali Ong, I'm I'm going all in. This is going to be the first five Ali Ong movie that I rate. What? I don't have that sound effect. You don't have that sound effect. Um, no, this is... This is your quintessential 80s action movie. It set the bar so high for so many other movies to follow. It it really did. You're not wrong. But it, it comes to me, it came down to there's a couple other that are a couple other movies that are in my head that I would rate fives. And I like them a little bit better than this. Not to say that it couldn't be a five as well if I liked it as much as, but I don't like it quite as much as these other two that are off the top of my head. I'll be in five, Stu. I think and that's why I bumped it to four and a half. Because I could even say four and three quarter. I could say four and three quarter Allianz. I think because we're going with a five rating system. Now, say we were going with 10, I might say nine and a half or nine on this, but this movie doesn't misfire at all for me. Um, it, it hits the nail on the head. It's my favorite screenwriter. It's a fantastic director with Richard Donner. Casting is perfect. It's got Gary Busey again. It has Ali Ong. It has everything I could ever want. I watch it every year at Christmas and a few times in between. This is wholeheartedly a five Ali Ong movie. And like I've said before, there are other five Ali Ong movies. And we're going to talk about them. If I took every five Al Leong movie, I could put them in an order of, I, I would watch this one before this one or this one and this one. I could do that. But on my rating scale of, does this movie give me everything I can ask out of an action movie? Yes, across the board for Lethal Weapon. Well, there you go, folks. What What's your take? How do you rate this? After listening to this episode, and suffering through my very bad voice, please let us know how you feel in 
the action movie group get in the uh the group let us know what you think how you, would you have rated it um as far as your alleyongs uh go uh, in this movie yeah. i mean you know i want to know yeah. what you guys think. and i mean this one you picked w- it you tell us this one did win wholehandedly against the other two movies yeah about twice as much yeah twice yeah as it was much. like 18 to 10 and yeah uh beverly hills cop and bad boys was dead even yep um, so and, and and the next episode is gonna be suburban commando so there you go <laughs> that's hilarious because i was just talking to mark about suburban commando a few days ago <laughs> It's it's actually in the group chat. There was some joke we were making, and it's we I used the suburban commando gif because he said it, and I thought it was hilarious. At, at, at least uh, Seagal's not in that one. Damn. So get back in there and saying that guy, man, you guys an ass. Uh, so yeah. as we finish up today's episode, I want to give the last uh, ounces of my energy to say thank you to our buddy Pete and the gang over a good beer, bad movie. Check night. those guys out. Good uh, yeah, night. movie night oh, podcast. Pete, there is a night in there. I forgot. I won't forget your night. Um, <laughs> we want to say uh, thanks to Poster Smash. Uh, you can check out their Instagram feed. And, of course, we have to say a big thank you to Sludgecast, one of our good, good buddies over there. Check those guys out. If you haven't yet, then turn ours off. Go check those out and then come back. Yeah. We'll wait. It's fine. You can always check us out on Instagram and, of course, the Facebook page and group. That is really where all the conversation goes. Yep. And you can send us an email at gmbmampod at gmail.com. Uh, also, we want to give a quick thank you to Mountain Empire Comics in Johnson City, Tennessee, Bristol, Tennessee. Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Rob, for everything you guys have ever done for us. Make sure you subscribe, like, Share, comment, do what you got to do to get more foos listening to the show. Yep. Uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie I, I'm I'm about white, buddy. Uh, what else you got? I, I've got one thing. I will be appearing on the Jacked Up Movie Review Show. Um, towards the end of June, we're doing a Linda Hamilton episode, and then again in July, we're doing a Scott Atkins episode. So I will be guest appearing on that show there you go so check out charlie on his other uh ventures when you see him uh charlie's going to be kind of like that wacky 80s sitcom next door neighbor he just shows up says some stuff and goes on you see him every few episodes it's kind of cool yeah because no one locked their doors in the 80s (sighs) yeah exactly all right charlie you got anything else to add about lethal weapon buddy what did the one shepherd say to the other shepherd dude uh let's get the flock out of here exactly Hey, I'm going to go drink a bottle of NyQuil. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back. I knew you'd say that.